podcast that explores the logic behind physiological birth practices and is a production of the Indie Birth Association and IndieBirth.com. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Hey everybody and welcome to this episode of Well Actually, a podcast with me, Margo Blackstone, and this is a production of the Indie Birth Association. Uh, I am excited today to again have a really lovely guest joining me, and welcome to the podcast, Kelly. Thank you. So today I have Kelly Garza joining me. She is the owner of Steamy Chick, which uh, you're going to learn a lot about in the next little bit here. Um, But first I want to tell you a little bit about Kelly. Uh, So Kelly has a master's degree in international development, graduating cum laude. Garza has spent the past several years doing women's health research on vaginal steam therapy, or peristeam hydrotherapy, as she terms it. Having recorded over 700 peristeam case studies, Garza holds the only known research database of its kind. Based on her research, Garza is developing a standard set of vaginal steam therapy protocols for addressing various gynecological issues. Her approach is unique in that she tailors treatment based on different menstrual patterns and that she works with an herbal acupuncturist. Garza's company, Steamy Chick, is the largest distributor of vaginal steam saunas and herbs in the United States. Garza has also developed an educational branch of her company called the Perry Steam Hydrotherapy Institute, which offers certification and training through online courses. And you can learn more at steamychick.com. And... There's so much to, to dig into there, but just I wanted to say thank you again for, for hopping on and um, being willing to uh, connect with the Indie Birth audience here. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So let's start uh, with, okay, first of all, I'm, I live in Minnesota, so I say sauna. So I hope that. <laughs> oh, man, Margo, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> no, just kidding. I mean, there's a you in there. Use it. You know what I mean? I like that. I like. Let's use the you. Let's use the you. <laughs> so okay, yeah. Tell us first what is what is vaginal steam therapy, or as you call it, peri steam hydrotherapy, which sounds very fancy. Okay. Okay. Well, first you. Uh, First of all, vaginal steam therapy is going to be using vaginal steaming to treat an issue. Okay, so we, we, I think most of your listeners might know what a vaginal steam is. It's, it's um, sitting over a pot of steaming herbs and um, bottomless there and letting those the the steam, you know, touch the perineal area, the vagina, and ascend up the vaginal canal. Okay, so that's what steaming is. And there are different spas that have vaginal steam uh, treatments. You know, you can go into a session. Um, but I started to, um, when I started selling uh, vaginal steam saunas, <laughs> what I would do is I would ask women about their, um, about their periods. And based on their period, I would give them a custom treatment plan so like if women were like i'm having like so much pain at ovulation then i would have them steam at ovulation right if women were having cramps then i would have them steam right before their period to try to help loosen up those cramps so i created something that i call vaginal steam therapy okay and it's basically you know 
finding, analyzing what the problem is, and then creating um, creating a vaginal steam plan to address that problem. And we, so uh, I also will tailor the herbs so that so that the women are getting like the specific herbs that they might need based on whatever issue they might be having. Over time, what I've learned is that vaginal steaming treats everything. Like it treats all gynecological issues that women normally would go to the doctor for. Um, and I just learned this over time. Like I was actually just selling saunas, you know, and then um, the first sauna I sold was to a woman who had, um, she was in her 40s and she was having really, really heavy, clotted, painful, cramping periods. Well, I didn't know if, I didn't actually know for a fact if steaming could help, <laughs> but I thought it could, you know, I was thinking, well, let's clear out those clots and maybe that could help something. Well, it turns out it helps, you know, steaming can help to reduce heavy periods and it helps get rid of the clots and it completely got rid of her cramps, you know? So then the next time I was working with somebody who had, you know, uh, fibroids and her fibroids fell out. So I was like, okay, check, steaming does that. Somebody's period was missing and, you know, in fact, I was the one, my period was missing and I was able to get my period to come back with steaming. That's actually how I first started. So I was like, okay, check, steaming helps with that. So over time, like working with all of these different women, I've come to find out steaming does everything. It does everything. If you know how to use it as therapy, if you know how to steam at the right time and with the right herbs, um, you can resolve like, you know, a lot of issues. Yeah. So, okay, so you've got this steaming pot of herbs. You're sitting over it bare-bottomed. How long are yeah. you, those people, sitting there for? Is it, like, 10 minutes? Is it, for, in, you know, maybe it's different depending on the, the therapy, the therapeutic approach? Yes. yes. Steaming is always, it's always safe to do it for 10 minutes. Now, steaming, um, when a woman steams, the steam actually ascends up the canal and it touches the cervix. Mm-hmm. And after time, steaming can actually open the cervix. And, um, and also, um, uh, the longer a woman steams, the further the steam can actually ascend up the reproductive organs. So, um, so anyhow, so when a woman, uh, the longest, longest that a woman should steam would be like, I would say 40 to 45 minutes. And a steam that long is like, um, you know, it's going to basically, like, after that, like, the woman really just needs to go to sleep, drink a lot of water, <laughs> you know, because although it's a very, it's very effective to steam for that long, it's very, um, it's, a, it's a cleanse for the body, you know, so it's so cleansing that it would actually, it's kind of, it can be very draining to steam for that long. So, um, so everyone can always steam for 10 minutes. To do a mild steam session without a burner for 10 minutes is, is, is safe for everyone. Um, and then certain people can also steam for longer, and it's beneficial, um, you know, in specific cases. But women with, um, with IUDs, women with uh, short menstrual cycles that are 27 days or shorter, and women who, um, who have infections or are prone to infections, women who have herpes, all of them can actually only steam for 10 minutes if they steam longer um you know it can create like you know some side effects that they don't want okay interesting um so i'm sitting on this oh wait let me go back for a second did you say without a burner yes okay so is that a way a a mild steam is without a burner Mm-hmm. Cause you know, like if you boil, if you boil, you know, water on the stove or your herbs on the stove and then you, you know, 
you know, you sit over it, um, if you put it on the floor and then you sit over it, what, how, however, or if you put it in your sauna, whatever you're doing, um, the steam is only going to last for about 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, right. So for somebody who wants to steam longer, they actually have to use a burner. So I call that the advanced setup. Mm. Do you, is that what you sell in your kit? Uh, my kit is the sauna and the pot and the herbs. I don't sell the, the burner. The pretty pot that's in the video that I saw? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, and the reason, the re it's always good. I, I recommend that beginners always start with a mild steam. Because of this, the first time that I steamed, Margot, I went to a Korean spa here in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, these women, they've been steaming their whole lives. So they put me on this steam, you know, they put me on this steam sauna and it was hot. <laughs> and that's not a good first experience. Because I was like, yikes. And I was like, I was just, you know, I was being tough. I'm, a I'm tough, you know. So I was being tough and I was just sitting there and they kept on being like, is it too hot? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know like, I was like, no, I guess. I was like, I can handle it, you know, like, so I didn't know, you know, that it's just supposed to be actually really comfortable and really relaxing. So when you do a mild steam, it's really comfortable and really relaxing. It feels like a hot bath or something like that, you know, and that's how it should be. Um, uh -huh. so, so I recommend people start with just a mild steam session. So this might be a silly question, but it might not be. Am I, if I'm sitting over this steaming pot of herbs, am I doing anything fancy, like, or am I just sitting there? I'm not, I'm not doing any, like, maybe a gymnastics or anything? No, no yoga poses, no. You don't have to do anything fancy. You just sit there, and there's, like, you can sit with your legs closed. Well, okay, so women, our anatomy is, is different, you know, and so, um, so women, sometimes women have to rock back, or sometimes they have to lean forward, sometimes women straddle in order to get, you know, the steam, you know, so you just want to get the steam touching the, the, the vagina directly, you know, so you just kind of have to find your position. I, I lean forward, and I kind of straddle it cool. with, my, with, my, uh, with my arms on my, with my knees on my, no, hold on, sorry, with my elbows on my knees, I lean all the way forward, you know, and then I just relax. Nice. That sounds very relaxing. And I guess I should have said at the beginning, I have not, I have not done a vaginal steam. I'm excited to very soon. Um, <laughs> thought it'd be really fun to like do a, a Facebook live or something while I'm doing my first one to show people, to demystify <laughs> experience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That'll be fun for all of us. Please <laughs> definitely do it. <laughs> on the list. Um, Cool. So I guess uh, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit, I mean, I read a little bit on your website, but um, is there any idea about the origins of this practice or is it really something we just find sort of ubiquitously like in all kinds of different cultures? Yes. Yes. So it would be the second. Um, it's, uh, like when I first learned about it, I learned about it from Marcia Lopez, who's a Mayan womb abdominal healer. Okay, so she's a womb doula and she's Guatemalan and she was like, yes, this is done in Guatemala. So I was like, okay, that's interesting, you know. And then when I was, um, when I decided I wanted to try it, I, re I um, googled it and this was in 2011 and uh, there's a lot more info you can find now. Uh, but anyhow, in 2011, the only thing I could find was this Korean spa that did vaginal steaming. You know, so then I was like, Korean? <laughs> I was like, I thought it was Guatemalan, <laughs> you know? And so 
the researcher in me was just like, which one is it? Is this from Guatemala or Korea? Who took it from who? Or, you know, why, why are we finding it in these different places? And so over time, um, let's see, it's been six years. Um, I have, like, continued to find it in different locations. And so, um, so I found it in, uh, in Europe, in Switzerland, Latvia, and Germany is used, and Italy. There we go. Is a, is a new one I recently found, um, and then we've got it's used all over uh, all over Asia. Um, it's used in Indonesia, Vietnam, Cambodia, Japan, China, uh, Korea, as mentioned before. Um, in Indon, I don't did I mention Indonesia? Yeah, and then um, at Guam in the South Pacific, Hawaii. I found reference of it there, um, and then I found out the different Native American tribes used it here. I've, um, found a, a woman whose Navajo grandmother was a midwife who used to use it. And then um, a Lakota woman told me that her great aunt was explaining that they used to do it. So, you know, it's, it's like the, the, the further, like the further we go looking into this, the more places we found, we find it, you know, it's, it's also in Suriname and Guyana and in South America. And I found it all over the African continent. Um, and I found, also found it in the Middle East in Turkey. And then I also found reference of it in India. So, you know, like it's so, so what, what I've come to conclude after, you know, finding all of these different instances of it is that, um, is that this is something that's universal to women. Women have, it seems like everywhere that you have women, vaginal steaming is practiced. And the, the main places where I found vaginal steaming in all these different instances we're in indigenous communities that aren't using Western medicine. They still have the knowledge of it. They have retained the practice of it. Now, some places it's commonplace. In Korea, it's just commonplace. Everybody does it. But in a lot of these other places, it's only in the indigenous communities with the traditional midwife that they still use vaginal steaming with their clients. And so, um, and so my conclusion is that it's a midwifery tool and that it was used universally before um, before male doctors um, took over women's healthcare. Mm-hmm. So fascinating. In the 1800s. Yeah, I love <laughs> I love uh, how into it. I mean, like you know, if there's anything we love here at Indie Birth, it's someone who dives deep into the research. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I uh, yeah when I was invited on, I was I was pretty excited. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was going through some of your more recent blog posts, and I can't remember which one it was, but you mentioned a study, it was the one that looked at this practice in in Turkey, and how, like, the researchers went in assuming that they needed, they were trying to figure out how many people were doing this still, and (laughs) they needed to figure out how to stop them, right? Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, you know, the, the approach, the approach towards women uh, women's practices, you know, isn't always done in a reverent, respectful way, right? So, <laughs> um, you know, I don't know, have you guys talked about, on the, I, you guys probably talk about this, but, the, you know, for example, like mid, midwifery care in the United States, I think it's only like four to six percent of the population, you know, uses a midwife. Well, that's not accidental. You know, doctors, male doctors decided they want to attend it to to attend the birth, and then they they basically oppressed midwives. They said you can't. They made it illegal, you know, to use a midwife. And 
the laws, it's still illegal to use a midwife in certain states, right? So it wasn't, it wasn't a humble approach. It wasn't like, hmm, let's learn from the midwife what, the, what they're doing, what their practices, right? So in that, the opportunity was lost, you know, by, by these, you know, modern medical doctors to actually, you know, learn about some things like, for example, vaginal steaming, right? Um, but we still have that, like, we still have that, you know, like, even myself, when I first heard of vaginal steaming, I'm like, oh, something, like, some weird girls do. Honestly, that's what I thought, <laughs> you know? And it's like, why? Why is it, why is it an eye roll to hear about something that women are doing that's healthy for them, right? Yeah. Why is it something that, that, you know, is, is weird. And then, and then the next thing is, you know, a lot of women, they're like, well, I'll ask, I have to go to my doctor to ask if, if I can do it. Why? <laughs> why are doctors, why are male doctors the authority over women's bodies? And of course, some people have female doctors, but only until the 19, in, so all gynecologists were males until about the 1990s, females started to enter the field. So that's why you have like all these old, you know, there's a lot of gynecologists are like old, old guys, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so it's like the whole practice was developed by men and, um, and they didn't research what women were doing. They didn't research women's health practices. What they did was they were interested in surgery. The, the uh, grandfather of gynecology, um, J.W. Oh, what's his name? Sims. Sims is his last name. I think it's J.W. Sims. Um, he, uh, he started the field of gynecology by doing um, experiments, surgical experiments on, on his slaves, on his slave women. And that's how, that's how gynecology started. So, um, so and, and that's how it developed, is learning, you know, learning how to, um, how to perfect the surgery. And there's nothing wrong with surgery, um, and it saves a lot of women's lives. Um, but, you know, like, uh, just, just a comparison, one of my friends lives in Germany, and she had two midwives and two doctors at her birth. And she, they worked side by side with each other. Right. Yeah. The like, midwives and doctors worked side by side with each other, right? Why yeah. do, we don't have that here. We had a very different development of our... Of our um, you know, of our, of our, like, hospital care, you know, or of our women's health care in this country, so. Yeah, like, I think you said the, the reverence, you know, it wasn't, isn't there still, and yeah, I always say that to people, you know, because there's, there's stratification among midwives even, too, which we talk a lot about, and uh, I was just saying that recently, um, you know, if we could just all come to the table in a more humble way, in, in with the understanding that we can all learn from each other. It's just, mm -hmm. I'll be so much better off. And yeah, I think right, right. that brings up a really good point and something that uh, I feel like you've dealt with on your blog, just around, you know, what doctors think about this and uh, the stories of women saying that their doctors said either it was, it sounds like it more often than not, they just think it's silly and they don't, they don't think it's going to hurt them, but it's not going, they don't think it's going to help. Um, seems yeah, to yeah. They're blanketly dismissing it. Uh, or at least some, some are. In fact, some gynecologists 
have started to recommend vaginal steaming. So, so you know, we have to be careful to say that all doctors are against it. In fact, some of the doctors are recognizing the benefits. Um, but yeah, so those those studies that you had mentioned, there were two studies. One was in Turkey and one was in South Africa, and they were uh, it was they were um, World Health Organization uh, research studies that were done by gynecologists to determine the gynecological practices done in the countryside, you know, in the rural areas. And they, you know, were properly able to identify that women were doing vaginal steaming and that a, a large majority of the women were doing vaginal steaming. And the whole purpose of the study was to survey how many women were doing it just to tell them not to do it, that they need to be, know that it's, you know, that they shouldn't do it, you know, that it could be harmful. But then the studies says nothing about what's harmful. Right. Because they don't know. They never studied it. They never looked into it. <laughs> you know? So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but when you do look into it, when you do look into it, vaginal steaming appears to be, um, it appears to be a, a, a true gynecological therapy. It changes women's menstrual cycles. It changes their periods. And it changes their anatomy, right? So, for example, I um, postpartum after giving birth, my cervix had uh, my I'm sorry my um, my uterus had prolapse. My uterus was down at my vaginal canal opening. That's way too low, right? And so I did steaming for 30 days, and by the end of the 30 days, the vaginal canal had closed, and the uterus had gone back into place. Mm -hmm. So that is a physical, a physiological effect and treatment that it did. Doctors can do that as well, but what they do is they cut the skin and they, of the, the vaginal canal. They do a vagina lift. They cut it and they sew it together tighter in order to push the, the uterus up. Okay, so they have a solution as well, um, but there's another solution that doesn't include surgery, that doesn't include a knife. Yeah. So that's interesting. Doctors should be jumping on this to research it further. Hold so up. I'm going to try to, my, my, my mission now in life is try to get that research done. So um, to, try to, to try to get the funding for this research. I've, I've been doing research on my own as far as collecting case studies, right? So that's one case study that shows that it helps with prolapse. And then I've had worked with several other women that it was also help, able to help with prolapse. So we have some initial research findings that it helps with prolapse, right? So, um, so anyhow, we need a lot more research like that done. Um, and, and, you know, I think that there's the space to do it now. Nobody's like, no, you can't research. It. I mean, you know, you, anybody can research it, you know, and you, you might have to raise your own money to do it <laughs> or, you know, or find, you know, the right type of funders, but it, it can be done and it will be done. I think in, um, I think in the future that it will be something that uh, gynecologists, I don't know if they'll do it in their offices, but I think, but I hope that it will be something that they do refer out, you know, for certain of their, of their clients. Some of them have, uh, for their patients, some of them have been like blown away at some of my customers, you know, some of, some of the results. I had a woman, she had two um, soft well size ovarian cysts and um, she had already had surgery to remove, um, to remove ovarian cysts, no, mm -hmm. to remove fibroids. And then, um, so they did, a, instead of just removing the fibroids, they did a, a hysterectomy on her, but they left her fallopian tubes and ovaries, right? Mm -hmm. And so a year later, they were doing the checkup for her surgery, just in the annual checkup, you know, 
And they come to find out she has two softball-sized ovarian cysts. So now they want to operate again to remove the rest of her fallopian tubes and, and, um, and ovaries. And she was like, no, I, I don't want to do it again. She started to just research anything else she could find because they had made this first surgery sound like it was not going to be a big deal. But now one year later, she still hadn't even felt like she had recovered fully. And now they want to operate again, you know. And so she, um, so she found out about vaginal steaming. She steamed. She did it for three months. So we did a vag vaginal steam therapy, right? Rather than she just went to the spa and she did a vaginal steam. And she says, oh, I still have the cyst. It didn't work. She did vaginal steam therapy so I gave her I told her to steam every day for three months straight and I gave her specific herbs for it and she did it after a week she was like oh my gosh the pain is gone she's like I feel like the pain is gone she's like I'm not in pain anymore because she was in chronic pain and she was like and also I was able to have sex with my husband for the first time you know because the pain was so bad we weren't able to so anyhow so now uh so so there was something happening you know so she kept it up and she did it for three months. And then she went in for her, actually, her pre-surgery appointment. And, um, and they, uh, they did an ultrasound. And she didn't have any ovarian cysts. They were gone. Amazing. They completely treated it. Completely treated it. <laughs> and so she told the doctor that she had been vaginal steaming. And she says, he was like, I don't know what that is, but, you know, like, oh, I don't know. You know, he, he was, he was surprised, you know, but he can't, he, he had no other choice. He canceled the surgery. That's what amazing. was he going to do? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it is. It's, it's incredible. And she's not the only one, you know, again, there's several more case studies after her and before her of women who have been able to naturally treat their ovarian cysts, you know? So it's just, it's incredible. Like it's, 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 it's pretty incredible what um, what it can do, and it makes so much sense. Like you know, like your you, the steam goes right into the vagina, you know, and then yes, there's a cervix there, and the cervix is usually closed, but the cervix has a hole in it, a hole that opens, and steam can work its way through any hole, <laughs> you know. Steam permeates the skin; it can get through a hole. Steam can shoot through rocks, you know, like, have you ever heard of a geyser? That's steam under the earth that has chipped away at that rock and then been able to make a geyser. You know, steam can, like, erode, you know, even, you know, metal and rocks. You think it can't get through a hole? There's already an opening there, you know, so steam can get through that cervix and it can get directly into the uterus. So you have, we have a treatment where the steam is directly touching the problem area you know and and it works it's able to work steam is it's incredible because a lot of the issues that women have you know are issues where the uterus isn't getting a full cleanse you know the uterus isn't getting all the way clean or there's something stuck left in there and you know getting that steam right to that area steam is able to loosen up i did a, an experiment once in my kitchen um where i like had taken some glue and i put it in a jar because i was interested how quickly the steam would melt the glue, you know, because I was, I, was, I was interested in fibroids. I was like, okay, like, you know, can steam melt fibroids? Because that's my theory of what steam does to fibroids. So I had, I had prepared this glue jar, and then, like, the next day, I put it over a steaming pot, and that steam cleared that, that glue, and the glue was hard and thick. It was uh, shoe glue, and it had, it had dried for a whole day. Um, the steam the steam liquefied and cleared out that glue uh, in less than a minute. That's amazing. 
That sounds like a fun You know, and so I was like, wow, steam can really soften. It, it really can, you know, liquidize things pretty quickly. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, are there other, so like other aspects to steaming that make it work, quote unquote? So like, you know, we've talked about heat and the steam and maybe like circulation. And I want to say in that video, um, I can't remember which woman it was, but she mentioned something about it, you know, um, having an effect on like the psoas and the, the vagus nerve and, you know, the nervous system yeah. and relaxation. Yeah. Do you want to speak to that at all? Or is that something people should? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's so the, increasing the circulation, you know, in the uterus, um, basically so the uterus has blood vessels you know right that go through the uterus and then also through the cervix right and so steaming helps to increase that blood flow and when that blood flow increases you know the uterus and cervix those veins then go all the way up to the brain and then they go down to the feet so steaming and increasing that circulation resolves all kinds of issues because uh women end up with swollen feet you know or or you know that when they steam that swelling goes away and um you know women who are stressed when they steam they feel relaxed right <laughs> so it's like that i believe it's that circulation that's helping to clear those blockages you know whatever energy um or 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 like you know slow circulation might have been in those areas you know steaming and getting the circulation going um you know can help to resolve it so the other thing that this does is that it helps the period be more efficient. So the period, um, you know, we don't, I don't know if everybody, you know, really thinks through it, but the period is a natural uterine cleanse. It's a uterine cleanse. That's what the period does is it cleans the uterus once a month, right? So, um, so it works 100% efficiently, except for when it doesn't, right? So a good uterine cleanse has red blood, and it's fresh, and there's no cramps and no clots or no brown blood, right? But when the uterus, for one reason or another, is having difficulty with this cleanse, that's where you see clots and brown blood and, um, and cramps. Because the uterus starts to cramp to try to push the stuff out that is stuck, right? So with steaming and getting the circulation going in this area and clearing out some of that old residue, it makes it so that the blood flow is fresh and it makes it so that the cleanse is more efficient. And that itself helps, you know, fibroids to go away. That itself helps cramps to go away and it helps to make these you know, this, the scent better and it helps to get these, you know, these, these clean periods. So a clean period is four days long of fresh red blood, right? So, um, so steaming creates that efficiency and it does, if women don't steam during their period, they would steam before their period if they had any of those signs. And so steaming before the period gets the circulation going and it loosens up any old residue that might be in there. And then during the period, there's actually a better flush and a better cleanse and then going forward, you know, that period is going to be, you know, um, a more efficient uterine cleanse. And, and so this is a preventative health, you know, health care measure, you know. Um, so, like, when I steamed in the Korean spa, the Korean ladies told me that they steam once a month after their period is over. No, just to clean, so they said to make sure that everything is, is cleaned out. And I was like, oh, that makes sense, you know. And so that's how I used it. And um, I had always had brown blood periods. I had asked, I remember asking a gynecologist about it when I had, 
you know, an appointment at the age of 20. And they were like, well, has it always been brown? I was like, yeah, it's always been brown. And they were like, then that's normal for you, you know? Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, after I steamed and I had a fresh red period, it felt healthy. What that brown stuff that I had had for 20, let's see, 17 years <laughs> until that point, <laughs> that stuff I could tell it wasn't healthy, you know, and this fresh red blood felt a lot better. You know, I could tell that it was healthy you know mm. so that's um yeah is there is there anybody who shouldn't steam or um you know are there time periods in you know pregnancy or you know whatever it might be like are yeah. there people who shouldn't do this yes steaming is contraindicated it should not be done during pregnancy um, it should not be done during fresh menstruation. Okay, so fresh menstruation will be fresh blood. Not, I'm not talking about the brown stuff. It actually, you can steam when you have brown stuff. It helps to get it out. But if there's fresh blood or if there's fresh spotting, um, steaming is, should not be done because what it can do is it can increase the blood flow. You don't want to do that, right? Um, it shouldn't be done uh, if a woman is prone to two periods per month there are women that say oh i have two periods per month i don't actually believe it's two periods per month i think she's just interim bleeding it's like she has some spontaneous bleeding um around ovulation or whatever it might be um whether or not that bleeding lasts for three or four days um so women who have more than one period per month or who have spontaneous bleeding between periods they shouldn't steam because steaming can actually you know again as it gets that circulation going it can cause her to to bleed and we don't want that to happen. She can, if she has like, you know, if she really needs to steam for, for some reason, she can steam, but I would recommend that she gets, um, she gets guidance from a, um, from a vaginal steam therapist um, so that she can do it safely. Um, and then the next one would be uh, if somebody is trying to conceive, then they shouldn't steam after ovulation. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. like, you know, if they were inseminated at ovulation and then they steam after that, then that could, you know, that could clear out the sperm or, or whatever. So women shouldn't steam after ovulation when trying to conceive. So those are the contraindications. And uh, in the postpartum, which I think you're going to be doing a webinar for us more in depth on this topic, but uh, just in general, how long do you recommend people wait to start steaming before they, uh, before they start? I, yeah, well, what I found in my research is that um, post-steaming, postpartum steaming is the most common use of vaginal steaming, mm-hmm. and um, it's used differently in different places, but what I did myself was I started steaming on day two. I actually, if I had to give just one recommendation, I would recommend day four, uh, just simply because we want to make sure that the woman, um, you know, isn't bleeding too heavily or hemorrhaging. I mean, you would know that by day four, without a doubt, so... Um, and it is okay to steam with, uh, um, with the lochia, with the blood, the postpartum blood. It's okay. It helps it to come out quicker. Very cool. Yeah. And postpartum steaming is incredible, Margo. This is like, I tell you, this is, this is the thing, Margo. <laughs> like, this is the thing. Because postpartum steaming, it resolves so many issues. So it helps to reduce swelling. Like I remember with my first baby, I was very swollen. And after steaming, the first time the swelling went down, you know, um, it helps to get the elimination functions going again. You know, in other words, it helps a woman not get constipated and also go, you know, be able to urinate. Um, it helps to 
get the um, the vag it helps to tighten the vaginal skin, um, the vaginal canal, which helps to push you know any organs back up into place if that's that's um, if that's an issue. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, if steaming consecutive days after birth, it actually gets a woman's body completely back to its pre-pregnancy state. So in other words, the vaginal canal will be as tight as it ever was. Um, then uh, you have, and, and that's important for medical reasons. I'm not saying that for like creepy sexual reasons. <laughs> it's important because the woman's uterus has to stay up, right? A, a, an issue that a lot of women have is that their uterus is prolapsed. They fall down. Mm -hmm. And so in order to get it back up into place, that vaginal canal has to be tight. So, um, so then, uh, then let's see what else is it do. It, it can help to disinfect stitches. It can help tears to, to, um, to, uh, to heal quicker, you know, and make sure that they don't get infected. It's just, it's incredible for postpartum. It's incredible. And it helps to, um, so getting that circulation in that area, um, it's, can help weight loss as well. Hmm. So, um, so I highly like, uh, if there's any time that a woman's going to steam postpartum is the absolute best. And I don't know why Margo, my whole company started because I did postpartum steaming and my friends found out about it. And you know, some of them wanted to try it themselves, but for some reason, postpartum, like women don't buy steam saunas. They don't buy them until like maybe they're postpartum and then they're like have issues, you know, I remember this one girl, she followed me for, she's a friend of mine. And she was just like, when she was pregnant, she was like, yeah, I think I'm going to get one. The poor thing contacted me, you know, I think 10 days after giving birth. And she was like, I, I was, my stitches are so tight. I can't walk. Now they're swollen. You know, I can't go to the bathroom. And it's just like, she's like, how quickly can you get a vaginal steam sauna to me? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like, well, we can ship it next week. But, you know, like, why don't, you know, it's, it's just, to me, it's just, Ah, it's like first aid that women need to have after they give birth because it resolves so many of the issues that women have. Yeah. I mean, when I was reading about it and hearing you talking about it, you know, the whole other part that I feel like we haven't touched on a ton um, is, you know, like the energetic part of it too. And just like the, and the social part and just feeling nurtured and feeling like you have some time just for you and, you know, like the mental health benefits. Yeah too, you know, or huge, I would imagine. And, um, you know, as a midwife, I do herb baths for people that want it. Um, I feel like yeah. lately, a lot of people that didn't want to do that for some reason. Like, really? <laughs> Why? I don't know. I don't know. And so I'm like, maybe if I, I mean, sometimes I don't want to do an herb bath because I don't want to make it myself, but if you're going to make it, <laughs> why? Yeah. Why not? I mean, it's been a really interesting, uh, you know, it's, I've only been here for a year and a half before this. I was in Arizona. And so, you know, it's just like a different culture. You know, we say sauna and we, uh, you know, eat, uh, we say pop instead of soda. Not that I drink it that much. You know, it's like, a fun, yeah. And then along with that, there's other stuff. So I'm wondering if that's part of it, but you know, I'm always trying to find ways to feel like I can, um, you know, nurture my clients more, especially at all times, but certainly in the postpartum. And, um, yeah. So I guess that was a question I had for you is if other birth workers are listening to this and want to learn more about how to introduce this to their clients they're working with, you know, cause like I'm thinking of just logistical stuff that I don't think we need to get into on the mm -hmm. podcast. Like, okay, can I mm -hmm. use the, can I use the same sauna for all my clients or like, um, you know, yeah. 
what are most people doing? Are they, are they like setting up the sauna and like letting the woman just sort of like sit there with her baby or like alone mm -hmm. or like, keeping her company mm -hmm. while this is happening? You know, like right. I'm right. curious about some of the more like logistical components. So how, how could they learn more about that? Well, you know, one thing that's really useful uh, for your midwives is that, um, is that you guys already have birth stools. Birth stools can be used to do a vaginal steam. So, um, also geriatric chairs can be used to do vaginal steams, or you can get your own vaginal steam sauna and, you know, and use that. And then you would disinfect it between, uh, clients. There are, um, there are several midwives that are using it now. There's one in, um, Florida. Her name is Mary Harris and she has her own office. So she has, uh, the vaginal steam. You do? She, I believe is in our wise woman's circle. So shout out. Oh yeah. Yeah, shout out to Mary. Yeah, she's great. So she's setting it up in her office so that there's a room for it so that so that her clients can go to her office and do it. Then there's another midwife in San Diego. Her name is Carly Nettle, and she's fantastic. She um, has a vaginal steam sauna, and she takes it to her clients yeah. for the postpartum visit, and then she lets them use it for several weeks. Um, and I think she sets up the session so they're steaming while they're doing the postpartum visit, um, you know, but then, uh, but then she leaves it with them and then, you okay. know, we'll go and pick it up and then take it to the next client. Right. So then, um, then we've got, um, in LA, there's a midwife, Raquel Lamus, and she, um, she has, I believe she uses a birth chair and she also has one of my saunas. So I'm not sure, um, but she makes sure to, to do it with her customers postpartum. She recommends that they do it and teaches them how to do it. Even if you don't have a sauna, you can just do it, but you can just boil a pot full of herbs um, or a pot full of water even, Margo. It can always be done, right? And then you can just put it in the pot. Or you can pour it into a bowl so that the pot, uh, like maybe a metal or glass bowl, so that the pot, you're not worried about the heat of the pot. But then you can just stand with your feet on either side of the pot, and you, the steam rises, <laughs> you know. Um, and then if you want to get closer to it, you would just go down onto your knees. And, the, you know, so even without a, a vag even without a setup, you can always still figure out how to do it. So a lot of the midwives, I've seen some of the midwives and doulas are teaching their uh, their clients how to do it, you know, or, or helping them get a home set up. So, um, so, so, you know, it's, it's being done in different ways, you know, and I think, I think there's a, a, a big place for it for postpartum doulas to do it as well, who have like mobile services, you know, to be able to go for the midwife, it makes sense to go and to, first of all, to educate the woman about it. And I think it really makes sense to do it at the postpartum visit rather than just say it, you know, like there's nothing better than you know, if you're talking to this woman and she's steaming while you talk to her, you know what I mean? Why not? You can't, you can, you know, and it just provides so much relief to the woman and so much, um, it just alleviates so much of the pain, you know, that, that, you know, there might be, you know, after giving birth. Um, and then I, I always recommend, you know, that people are ready to hold the baby, that yeah. they either have somebody else there to hold the baby. But if you're doing postpartum steaming for a woman, you have to be ready to hold the baby. Um, so that the woman can do it, you know, so you would set up the steam session and then let her sit there and then offer to hold the baby, you know, while she does it. But also women do it while they're nursing. You know, if the baby's fussed and then you take it over to her, she nurses and then you take the baby again. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the nature of how, you know, women's work looks, right? You know, we just have to help each other and make sure, you know, to, um, to also, you know, take care of the baby as well while we do it. So, um, so those are some of the logistical things um, as far as insurance goes. 
Um, there's no special insurance needed because insurance companies don't know about vaginal steaming. So whatever um, liability, they don't know about it yet. So whatever general liability insurance anybody has, that should cover it. Um, and then, you know, like if I, I, I know, you know, different practitioners have been talking about, you know, how to get it covered. And so some of them have mentioned they do a, a steam bath. They don't necessarily mention that vagina. The second you mention vagina, it's all over. <laughs> it's all over. So don't call your insurance companies and say vagina to them. <laughs> just, just say a steam bath or, you know, something. Because if you do want to specifically have it, you know, listed um, and introduce it to them, you know, I would beg you not to say vagina. But I use, um, in professional and legal instances, I use the term perineum or parasteaming right. because that is going to be, um, you know, a more professional term for it, right? So, um, so yeah, those, those are some of the logistics for it. It's it's pretty easy. I would recommend, um, you know, of course, I have a course where I talk about um, exactly how to do it um, and how to screen and figure out which herbs to give women and women and what kind of postpartum plan they should have. But for the most part, they should be steaming um, for thirty days straight. That's what I recommend. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm loving that idea. I mean, I feel like I've so much been in the postpartum. Uh, sort of state of mind. Um, I did a podcast recently that's not even been released yet with, uh, Kimberly Johnson. Of oh yes. I love her. And she of course mentioned you in her book. So as I was reading it, I was like, I have a podcast set up with both of these lovely people. How lucky. Am oh, I? nice. Um, yeah. And Marin and I just did a, a podcast the other day talking about the postpartum. And so, yeah, I feel like this is the year that I really want to get a better handle on um, you know, like a schedule uh, in the best yeah. sense of the word of like, okay, I'm going to, you know, do an herb bath when I come back at 24 hours. And when I see them the next time, which is usually 48 or, um, you know, 72, you know, somewhere in the two to four day range, um, I'll do a steam with them and, you know, oh, that's going to be so great. Give them like an oil massage on day seven or what, you know, I want to get like a right, right. schedule and not make it optional. So like a lot of my clients, I think right. are really, um, you know, used to say, not <laughs> you will receive this oil massage. <laughs> you yes, will. You Love will. And you like, will. This, this is the step. Softness frame is like, oh, can I make you an herb bath? Or, oh, can I? I don't know why your clients are fighting against these things. <laughs> I don't know why they are. <laughs> well, I think it's because, uh, you know, like I said, like, I think it's, I think they're so not used to receiving and it makes them feel uncomfortable or awkward or, you know, like there's something, maybe it's a yeah. problem though. I don't know. I would never say no to such a thing. Um, uh, yeah, I hear you. You know, you mentioned, um, you mentioned mentally, mental, the mental health, like that it must be just good, you know, for a woman's, you know, mental health and state. Yeah. Um, I was, so I was researching and I found a study that said that, <clears throat> um, it said that, or a, a study that that found that when the cervix is stimulated, it releases oxytocin. Mm. So oxytocin, I'm sure you know more about it than I do. I this is I I'm like waiting to even research more about this. I can't wait to. <laughs> oxytocin is the love hormone, and oxytocin is the relaxed hormone, and oxytocin helps to increase blood milk supply. Well, if when the cervix is stimulated, that 
in this case, it was like a 200% oxytocin release from the study is what it said. If that's the case, then vaginal steaming um, and why it makes women feel relaxed and sleepy afterwards makes so much sense because the steam directly stimulates the cervix. It directly touches it. And so for a postpartum woman to have more oxytocin would help with the breast milk supply. And it would also help with that feeling of relaxation and those feelings of love and bonding. So I have a theory. This is all just a theory based on that study that I found that yeah. vaginal steaming releases oxytocin in women and that it would help to um, prevent postpartum depression. Sure. Totally. And that it would help to prevent low milk supply. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and one thing, like when I read this, I was like, whoa, and I was reading about oxytocin and what it is. And I was like, oh, that's what makes sense. Remember I told you when women steam longer, that they, it really drains them and they have to go right to sleep. When mm-hmm. women steam for 40 minutes or longer, like they're tired. Like they can't, like they have to just go right to sleep. They're super, super sleepy. Like as if they've been drugged. Hmm. <laughs> Get it? Oxytocin <laughs> has been released to the point that they are now drugs. Like it's been a, I believe it's a chemical reaction. Yeah. So, um, and I definitely know, like it really, really uh, can be relaxing, you know. So I have women do it at the end of the day. I do it at the end of the day, you know, because I want to go to sleep afterwards. It's very, you know, you feel very relaxed afterwards. Whereas you might be feel stressed or worried about certain things. Once you steam, like it's all good. <laughs> it's like ah. You just, you know, this relaxation definitely comes over. So, um, so when I read that study, it just kind of made sense. Like I just put it together. And this is my medical discovery, Margot. <laughs> I plan to research and test in the future. <laughs> and then, like, it, then it would be like this crazy story that this, this woman that isn't even a doctor made this medical discovery, <laughs> you know, but, um, but yes, steaming after, after giving birth, um, and for postpartum, it just makes so much sense. Um, and, and if that study is true, and if steaming, you know, stimulating the cervix releases oxytocin, that's even more of a reason why. Um, and especially why it's so universal. You know, I found steaming, I think, in like over 30 countries at this point. Mm-hmm. And in every single one of them, it's used in postpartum. Mm-hmm. Only in a minority, and only in like half of them or so, is it used for gynecological disorder. So it's absolutely universal for, um, for the postpartum period, you know? And so I think, um, I think, like, we have so much, like, we have, like, you know, a really bright future in front of us of learning why, you know, and being able to, um, to learn more about it, you know, like, just the science of why it is. Totally. Yeah, I, uh, Marin recently did a podcast with Rixa Freeze. Are you familiar with her work at all? I'm not. Um, she is, among many things, a breach researcher, and she is not a midwife, but she is, like, the biggest breach geek in the world. Um, <laughs> gotcha. and, so okay, I, I get where you're going. <laughs> yeah, I, I had her talk to, I taught a research methods class for our online indie birth midwifery school last quarter, and so I had her do a guest lecture because she's putting out some <clears throat> breach research with Dr. Stu. Dr. Stuart Fishbein. And so I had her talk to our students about how, you know, what is the process of research and how, how do you, um, 
you know, get clearance to do research through, you know, the different, you know, IRB, like the ethics review and stuff. And um, how do you uh-huh. publish and how do you like, and it's so within our means. And so it's really exciting to hear that you're interested in that because I think, you know, um, you know, some of our students were like, well, but we don't need to do it. We already know this stuff works. And it's like, yeah, but won't it be cool <laughs> to show why? And, you know, if yeah. Yeah. get things changed on a really large scale and live in a different kind yeah. of world. Um, there's no reason not yeah. to, but I think, and I think it's fun. You know, I'm also a total geek about a lot of things and yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's just enjoyable to like learn more and to see these really cool connections that haven't been seen before and feel like you're the first one who's figuring some of these things out. So I'm so grateful to you for being a fellow geek and uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. Like, that's the that's the whole point. Is like for for those of us that have a background in research and can do it, this helps to change things on the on the macro level because ma- the majority of people like to dismiss things, saying, "Oh, I like evidence based right. uh, medicine." Well, if somebody steams and their cramps go away, that's a case study, and that is evidence. You know, this is based in evidence. This is based in thousands and thousands of years of evidence, right? But until somebody who has the specific, like, <laughs> does it in the, in the scientific method, right? Until somebody does it and writes it out in scientific method and publishes it and gets, um, and, you know, a lot of MDs, you know, to co-publish it with them or whatever needs to happen or to, to reproduce it, the majority of people, uh, you know, are not going to um, think that it's, they're basically going to dismiss it as quackery, <laughs> you know? I mean, oh my gosh, Margot, did you see what happened to Gwyneth Paltrow when she talked about <laughs> vaginal steaming? Like, did you? Oh yeah. my gosh, like, if you research vaginal steaming, the majority of articles you're going to see are articles that are ridiculing her, dragging our beautiful, this beautiful actress through the gutter for saying, basically for saying vagina, <laughs> you know? Um, and, uh, and everybody just like dismissed it, you know, and says, Oh, Gwyneth Paltrow thinks she knows better than your, than your gynecologist. Okay, come on. This is, you know, it's just, it was so ridiculous. It was so sad. Um, and despite that, Gwyneth Paltrow introduced America to vaginal steaming and my sales skyrocketed after she talked about it. So there were a lot of women that, you know, were able to see past that because they were like, uh, what? <laughs> that seems like it's going to feel good and it seems like it might help me, you know? And, you know, a lot of these women, like, you know, like, like how I said, I thought the majority of my customers would be postpartum women. Well, postpartum, <laughs> like a lot of times women don't know what they need until afterwards. Right. And also if you haven't used postpartum steaming, um, you know, you don't know really kind of like what the amazing difference would be. But um, the, the majority of my customers are women who have fibroids, um, because their doctors are recommending surgery. Right. So they don't want to go under the knife. So that those are the majority of my customers. And then women who have bacterial vaginosis mm, because, yeah. um, bacterial vaginosis, uh, you know, doc, uh, gynecologists and gynecologists know it themselves. They know it. They, they admit it that they don't really have a good way to treat it. You know, they, these women end up in their office over and over and over again with chronic bacterial vaginosis. So a lot of the BV customers that I have, they've already been treating it for years with the gynecologist and they're just at their wits end and their gynecologist is just like, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know? So they end up being the customers and then also infertility customers 
or women that have been having trouble conceiving because again their doctors are like you have unexplained Mm -hmm. infertility this is ridiculous unexplained infertility over 99% of the women that have come to me who have been diagnosed with unexplained infertility have um old residue in their periods they have signs of unclean periods their periods have black blood brown blood they only get their period three times a month and it's only black blood when they do there's huge clots in it they have terrible cramps that knock them out i mean come on this is a uterus the uterus the baby needs to be you know conceived in the uterus and it needs to implant in the uterine walls if all that old blood is in there you know, as breast blood can't even flush through your uterus, then of course there's going to be an issue with fertility. And so these women, you know, um, some of them using fertility assistance and some of them not, you know, they clear, they clean out their uterus and then they're able to miraculously, you know, conceive. And so it's, it's, you know, um, so the, so, so the, the areas where I get the most customers are areas where gynecology is lacking, you know, or doesn't give women very good options or, you know, with the fertility assistance, it's such an expensive option. And it's also not very, it's, I mean, the, the, um, the, it, it doesn't have a high success rate. I think it's like 15% is like the highest, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, and I, I may be, I may be wrong on that statistic, but it's, it, I was surprised at how low it was. So anyhow, um, uh, those are the majority of my customers, but I really do hope to see a lot more midwives and postpartum doulas offering vaginal steaming to women and a lot more postpartum women getting it because I, personally there was no time in my life that I needed it as much you know there's no time in a woman's life that she needs more help (laughs) so um so postpartum is just it's just where it's at yeah well thank you so much is there anything else you want to cover before we wrap it up today no just you can find me on steamychick.com and I have a special course that I have developed for midwives and doulas in the hope of getting more of you out into this field Um, and it's called Postpartum Parasteam Care. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, I'm feeling very motivated to, I feel like I've been waiting to get like the perfect setup. So I'm feeling motivated yeah. to forget that and just try it out. Uh, nice. Well, maybe- listen, I'll, after we sign off, we'll talk about it. I want to get you into that course. Oh, yeah, I have a certification too once you go through that course. Okay. And I get you into that course. And then when you do that, you can get yourself all set up. Awesome. And then on, as you said, day seven, day four, whatever it is, they're going to get it. They're going to get steamed. They're going to get steamed, <laughs> whether they like it or not. <laughs> it won't make they're going to get a, yeah, a sauna for their vagina. So. <laughs> Maybe that's, that's what I'll call it. It'll be more culturally appropriate here in northern Minnesota. <laughs> of course. Of course. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show, Margo. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, for more on Indie Birth activities and happenings, go check out IndieBirth.org. And uh, you can always get in touch with me or Marin at Margo at IndieBirth.org or Marin at IndieBirth.org. Thanks, everybody. Bye.